0: Amen. All right. Well, we're there in Philippians chapter number uh, three, and I'd like you to keep your place there and uh, find the book of Matthew just real quickly. should be fairly easy to find the book, the first book in the New Testament, but keep your finger there in Philippians chapter number three. We've been going through a series on Sunday mornings entitled, Earnestly Contend, for the faith, and we 've been talking about this idea of defending the doctrine of salvation. This is now the third sermon in this series. this is the last sermon in the series and If you remember, we began the series a couple of weeks ago, looking at this idea of grace versus works, and we 're talking about the role that the law plays in salvation. Last week, we spent our time in the book of James, chapter number 2, and we studied this phrase, faith without works is dead, and what that means exactly. And this morning, we're going to be talking about uh, hidden works. And here's what I found in the Christian life. I found that you will find people... Who will say to you, you know, I believe that salvation is not of works. I believe that salvation is not earned. I believe that salvation is not something that we uh, have to, we don't have to do anything to get it. But then you will find that those people also believe in doctrines that still deceitfully and almost in a hidden way add works to salvation. And that's what I want to deal with uh, this morning. Now you're there in Philippians chapter 3, I'd like you to look down at verse number 4. We actually saw this passage in our Wednesday night Bible study, but I thought I should bring it to you this morning as well. And, you know, sometimes people will ask the question, well, what's the big deal? What is this whole thing about faith and works, and why does it matter what we believe? And here's why it matters, and here's what you need to understand. This all has to do with what you are trusting in For salvation we're talking about salvation this morning we're talking about you know having the hope of eternal life we're talking about knowing that if you were to die today that you would not go to hell and suffer the second death because of your sins but that you are forgiven and you would spend eternity with God in heaven and here's what you need to understand it all comes down to this thing of what am I trusting in What am I putting my faith in to save me? Are you there in Philippians chapter 3? Look down at verse number 4. Notice what the Bible says. Though I might also have, I want you to notice this word, confidence. If you don't mind writing in your Bible, I would encourage you to underline that word, confidence. He says, though I might also have confidence. And I want you to notice what he's referring to, confidence in the flesh. We teach that salvation is believed. The Philippian jailer, who Paul is writing here to the church at Philippi, the Philippian jailer uh, had asked the question, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And salvation is believe, it's faith. But here's what you need to understand. that It's that word confidence. See, if I say to someone, I believe in you. What am I saying? I say you know, Somebody tells me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, you know, do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to come back to church tonight. And I say, I believe in you. What am I saying? I'm saying I have confidence in you. I'm saying I'm trusting in you. And see, when we say that we believe on Jesus Christ, we're not just saying we believe in the sense like we believe he exists, but we're saying we believe that our confidence, our trust is in him. Now, some people have their confidence in the flesh. Notice what Paul said. He said, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. He said, look, I could put my confidence, I could put my trust, I could put my faith in the flesh. And then he says, if any other, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he must, my, notice this word, trust in the flesh, i more. That word faith, confidence, trust, they're all talking about the same concept. He says, if you think you've got something to have confidence in your flesh, if you think you've got something to trust in your flesh, he says, i more. And then he goes and gives us this list of all the things that he's done. Notice verse 5. He says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin in Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the, uh, the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He said, look, you want to find somebody who was zealous for the things of God? He said, I was so zealous in my false religion, I actually persecuted the church. I actually went around arresting people and having them put to death he said you want to find somebody that kept the law he said i was blameless when it came to the law he said you want to find someone that had the right pedigree he said i was circumcised the right day i was of the right stock i was of the tribe of benjamin he said I, if there's a hebrew he said i'm the hebrew of the hebrews he said i was as touching the law of Pharisees." he said if you want to talk about works if you want to talk about religion if you want to talk about having confidence in the flesh he said i had the resume But I want you to notice what he says down in verse number 9, Philippians 3, 9. He says, but I'd rather, notice, he says, and be found in him. He said, I'd rather be found in him, notice, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. See, he said, look, and we skipped a few verses there. You can read that in your own time to get the entire context. He says, I count those things but done. He said, the, the, all those things that I did, they were worthless. He said, they, 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 they had no value to them. He said, when I am judged of God, he said, I'd rather be found of God, not having mine own righteousness. Because, see, the Bible tells us that our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, He said, I don't want to be found having my own righteousness. He said, I'd rather be found having the righteousness of God. So the question is this. You say, why is it a big deal? Why you spent three weeks going through this idea of works and salvation? Because it comes down to this. What are you trusting in to get you to heaven? What do you have your confidence in to get you to heaven? What is it that you uh, are, are putting your faith in to get you to heaven when you die? And I want to give you two Two uh, doctrines today that are taught, and, they, and, and people will say, I don't believe in works. I don't think you have to work your way to heaven. I believe salvation is, is, in, is by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. But then they will add certain doctrines to that faith, and they will, and what they don't realize what they're doing is that they're still adding works to salvation because they're still not completely trusting in themselves. Can you make your way to Matthew, the book of Matthew? Matthew chapter number 3. Let me give you the first one. I'd like you to write this down. The point number one this morning is this. Repentance of sins is works. Repentance of sins is works. If someone believes I have to repent of my sins in order to be saved, you are still believing in a work salvation. And I'm not saying, and I'm gonna get, I'm gonna develop this. So just stay with me, all right? I'm not saying that we ought not repent of our sins. We should repent of our sins. But look, if you are trusting the fact that you quit doing something, you quit. You know, I used to drink, I used to do drugs, I used to fornicate, I used to whatever, and I stopped doing that, and that's why I'm saved, or I had to stop doing that in order to be able to be saved. Then you are still. Putting your faith, your confidence, your trust is still in something you did. Today you will find that people will see the word repent in the Bible and they will assume they will assume that it's always referring to this idea of repenting of your sin. Are you there in Matthew chapter 3? I'd like you to look down at verse number 1. Matthew chapter number 3 and verse number 1. If you've never heard this before, you say this isn't what I've been taught you know, that's fine. Let me just encourage you would you just, for, a, for, for 45 minutes here, would you just have an open mind? Okay, 55 minutes, maybe an hour, all right? Would you just have an open mind and say, let me look at what the Bible says? Because heres it doesn't matter what I think, what you think, what you've been taught. All that matters is what does the Bible say? and we ought to look at what the Word of God says, and we ought to look at it with an open mind. You're there in Matthew chapter 3. Look at verse 1. The Bible says this. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, notice what John said, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Go, go one page over to Matthew chapter number 4. Look at verse number 17. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17. Notice what the Bible says. From that time, Jesus, we saw John, came saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Matthew four seventeen. The Bible says, from that time, Jesus began to preach. What did Jesus preach? And to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I remember a couple of years ago when our church, I think before we were even in this building, or we had just got in this building uh, a couple of years ago, several years ago, we had a family come to our church. And it was a, a big family. They had a lot of children. And they, they started coming. And one of the things we noticed right off the bat, that I thought, this is weird, is this, the, the wife, I mean, from, literally from day one, she, was, she had a notebook with her and she's just going around getting people's emails. And she's just walking to all the church people. And she's like, oh, let me. And she's like talking to them. And she's like, oh, let me get your email. And then we even noticed she was going to like first time guests and asking them for their emails. And we, you know, we obviously called her on it. We're like, what are you doing getting everybody's emails? And she's like, well, you know, this is a homeschooling family, and obviously we're homeschooling. We promote homeschooling at our church. And she's like, well, you know, I've got all these articles about homeschooling, and I want to help the ladies, and I want to promote. And she was sending all these emails about homeschooling or whatever. And we were just kind of like, okay, you know, we just let her send her stupid emails or whatever. And uh, we just kind of kept an eye on it, you know. Well, we found out eventually that she wasn't just sending homeschool emails. She was sending all these articles about the fact that you have to repent of your sins to be saved and all these little links to these sermons about the fact that eternal security, that you can lose your salvation and sending all these emails about Pastor Jimenez doesn't know what he's talking about and blah, blah, blah. And I obviously I confronted them, you know, and I remember I went to the husband and I said, first thing I said is you need to control your wife, number one. And then number two, I said, look, you are preaching a false doctrine. And he took me to these two verses and he said, well, the Bible says you got to repent of your sins to be saved. And you're preaching heresy. And he, put his, and he you know, he's yelling at me and telling me. And I said, show me where in the Bible it says you have to repent of your sins to be saved. And he said, Matthew chapter 3. And, and I said, well, let's look at it. And he takes me to Matthew 3, the same verse I just showed you, verse 2. And he said, look, it says, saying, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he said, that was, that's what John was preaching. He said, and not only that, but Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, and I, we flip the page and look at Matthew 4 and 17, and it said, look, the Bible says Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I said, I see the word repent. What I don't see is where he said to repent of your sins. Amen. And he said, well, the word repent means to repent of your sins. And he had this idea that repentance, every time it came up in the Bible, that the word repent just meant to repent of your sins. Now here's the problem with that. The problem with that is if you study the word repent in the Bible, you will find that the person who repented the most in the Bible was God. I mean, God is the one who repents more than anybody in the Bible because repenting of... You can't just assume when you see the word repent that it's just talking about repenting of your sins. Now, should people repent of their sins? Of course they should. But that's not the the meaning or the understanding of the word. Let me give you an example. Keep your place there in Matthew. We're going to come right back to it. But go to the book of John. John. I'm sorry, not John. Jonah, I'm not reading my own notes here, Jonah in the Old Testament, chapter number three. Now, you're going to go backwards into the Old Testament from the book of Matthew. You're going to go past Malachi, past Zechariah, past Haggai, past Sephaniah, past Habakkuk, past Nahum, past Micah, uh, into the book of Jonah. And by the way, that family got thrown out of church. And I stood up on a Wednesday night and said, these people are not welcomed here. Don't talk to them. Treat them as a heathen because they're false prophets and and we'll do that to you too by the way just throwing that out there you want to come in here and spread false doctrine i don't know if you saw the sign when you walked in but you came into a baptist church we didn't come into your church you came into ours and you don't have to believe everything we believe but you're not we're not going to let you spread a bunch of false heresy either jonah chapter 3 we're glad you're here by the way jonah chapter 3 look at verse 10 jonah chapter 3 verse 10 notice what the bible says are you there remember the book of jonah remember jonah god sent them to preach you know, to the, to the Ninevites. And he preached that, uh, that, that sermon on judgment. He said, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be destroyed. And, and it was an effective sermon. And people got right with God. And people started getting the sin out of their lives. And I want you to notice what Jonah chapter 3 and verse 10 says. The Bible says this. And God saw their... Can we read the next word together? Let's read it together. Works. Oh, that was so weak. Good night. Maybe the sign isn't Baptist. Maybe it's, did it say Presbyterian when we walked in? Okay. And God saw their, come on guys, let's, let's, let's read it loud. You got to man up, right? God saw their what? Words. words. Okay. Now notice, notice. God saw their works. Here's how, here's how studying the Bible works. You let the Bible define itself. Okay. You let the Bible tell us what things mean. You don't go to dictionary, you don't go to uh, commentary, you don't go to, well, this preacher said, that's nice, those things may be helpful, but here's the thing. You let the Bible tell us what things mean. Notice what the Bible says. And God saw their works, notice, that they turned from their evil ways. So here's what the Bible says. When someone turns from their evil ways, that's not a bad thing, that's a good thing. But here's what I want you to understand. God considers that works. God saw their works. Works that they turn from their evil way. And let me give you an example of what I just said. Notice, and God repented. You see that? And God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not, because God said he was going to destroy Nineveh, but when he saw that they turned from their evil way, and they repented, and he saw that work that they did, then God repented and said, I was going to destroy you, now I'm not going to destroy you. So there's an example of God repenting. And here's what I want you to say. Not only does repent, the word repent not mean just by default that you must repent is referring to sin, because we see here that God repented. But God defines turning from your evil way as works. So if you say, "Well, yeah, you got to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved," but you can't just keep living your life the way you know you want to, and you've got to turn from certain things and you got to quit doing certain things, uh, you know, or else you're not saved. You know, here's the problem with that. God would call that works. Amen. And we're not saved by works. And here's the question I have for you. Is your confidence in your flesh? Will I quit drinking? Will I quit? And here's the, and here's the question I always have for people who try to argue with me about this. Is, okay, well, what's, what, what, what sins do we have to quit doing? Because the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says there's none that doeth good. The Bible says that we, we all break the law of God. So, you know, if you've got to quit, you know, sin, then, then which one? Because none of us have quit sinning. And, here, and here's what's always funny. I mean, what's funny to me is when you ask me that question, they always, like, give you a list of sins, and it's always whatever sins they're not doing. You know? Because I'm like, because I said to this family, I said to them, hey, listen, well, what sins do you have to quit doing to be saved? And they're like, well, you can't be fornicating. Well, you can't be drinking alcohol. Well, you can't be doing drugs. And I'm like, oh, okay, because you don't drink and you're not fornicating and you don't do drugs. And I said, because here's the thing, if you, if I, I said, I don't believe your little doctrine, but if I had that belief, you know what my list would be? You got to come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Guess what? You don't do that. You got to go soul winning every week. Guess what? You don't do that. You got, you know, and I started naming off things that they don't do. I'm like, that's what my list would be. And it's funny because people just make up their own list. It's just like, well, you know, cuz if you're a real lame lame Christian, you're just like, well, as long as you don't kill, I mean, if you kill somebody, you know, if you beat your wife, then you're you're going to, you know, you got to repent of that. But here's the problem with that. We're all sinners. There's no such list. There's no such thing. If you think that you have to turn from sin to be saved, I'm not saying it's wrong to turn from sin. The Bible talks a lot about turning from sin. The Bible talks a lot about growing and repenting. But if you believe you've got to turn from sin in order to be saved, here's what you need to understand. Your confidence is still in you. Now you say, well, doesn't repentance play a role in salvation? Well, it does. I'm glad you asked. Go to Matthew chapter number 21. Matthew chapter 21. Let's get the proper definition of the word repent. I'm not against using the word turn. Often people will say repentance is turning. I like like saying repentance is a change of mind. But if you want to call it a turning point, that's fine. God was going to destroy Nineveh and then he repented because he changed his mind. He said, I was going to do this, but I, I believed this. I was going to, uh, I, you know, I thought this of these people, but I, now I'm changing my mind and I'm not going to destroy them. All right? I believe the right definition is a change of mind. You want to call it a turning point? That's fine. But you say, well, what does that play in salvation? Well, here's the question. What do you have to do to be saved? Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Place your faith on Jesus Christ. Put your confidence, your trust in Christ. Matthew 21, 32. Notice what the Bible says. For John, this is Jesus speaking about John. Remember, we allow the Bible to define itself. We don't say, here's what John was preaching. We let the Bible tell us what John was preaching. We let Jesus tell us what John was preaching. Notice what Jesus said. Matthew 21:32. For John came unto you, this is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye, notice his word, believed. That's the message. That's the goal. And ye believed him not. He said, John came preaching. John came saying all those things, you know, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and ye believe him not. Now, notice what Jesus says. But, but, the publicans, those are the really bad sinners. And the harlots, those are the really bad sinners, believed him. He said, you religious people, you didn't believe him, but these really bad people, they believed him. Now, notice, don't, don't miss this, notice what he says. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not. He said, here's your problem. You didn't believe them. You should have repented. And the Pharisees would have said, us repent? We're not the harlots. We're not the publicans. We're not the bad sinners. But notice what he says. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward. Notice what the repentance would have brought forth, that ye might believe him. Here's what he's saying. You weren't believing. They did believe. You should have repented. And turned or changed your mind from not believing to believing. You you say, what is the role that repentance plays in salvation? Here's the role that it plays. You have to stop believing in whatever you're believing in. You got to quit trusting in whatever you're trusting in. You got to quit putting your confidence in whatever you're putting your confidence in and start putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, some of you were trusting the fact that you quit doing whatever to get you to heaven and you've got to take your faith away from yourself and place it on Christ. If you're a Muslim, you got to quit believing on Allah you got to quit believing in Islam. you got to put your faith in Jesus Christ. If you're a Catholic, you've got to say, I no longer believe that confession is needed. Going to a confessional booth is needed for salvation. I no longer believe that sacraments are needed for salvation. I no longer believe that eating a wafer and calling it the flesh of Jesus is, is needed for salvation. And my faith is in Jesus Christ. See, there is a role that repentance plays in salvation is that I go from not believing to believing. But where does he tell us, you, you know, you Pharisees, the reason you're not saved is because you wouldn't quit drinking. That's why. He says, ye repented not afterward that ye might believe Him. Let me give you another example. Go to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Look at verse 15. Again, this is Jesus. What is it that Jesus was preaching? Mark 1.15. You're there in Matthew. Just one book over. Mark 1.15. And saying, notice this is Jesus. And saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Notice what He said. Repent ye, and what is that result? Believe the gospel. He said, you need to repent of what? Of unbelief. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Go to the book of Acts, Acts 19.4. See, you can go to all these verses that say, repent, 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 and say, well, that means this, but why don't you let the Bible tell us what that means? You can put your own little definition on there, but why don't we like, here's what Jesus was preaching, repent ye and believe. Ye repented not afterward that ye might believe. They believed. You didn't believe. You should have done what they did and believed. You need to repent of unbelief and believe. Acts 19.4. Notice what Paul said. You're there in Mark. You're going to go past Luke, John, into the book of Acts. Acts 19.4. Then said Paul. This is Paul talking about the ministry of John. Notice what Paul said John was preaching. Then said Paul. John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance. Saying unto the people, what is it that John was saying to the people? That they should, don't miss this, believe on Him which should come after Him, that is on Christ Jesus. What is the message that John was preaching when he was saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand? What is the message that John was preaching when he was coming uh, with the baptism of repentance? Here's the message he was preaching, you need to believe on Him, that is Christ Jesus. You need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You need to put your confidence in Jesus Christ. You need to put your, your your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 6. Hebrews chapter number 6. If you start from the book of Revelation and go backwards, you're going to go past Jude, past 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, past 2nd and 1st Peter, past James, into the book of Hebrews. All right, Towards the end of the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 6. Go past Jude, past 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd, 1st Peter, James, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 6. Notice what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. He's talking to Christians here that are not growing. They're baby Christians. And he says to them, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. He said, look, the doctrine of Christ is great. That's foundational. You need the doctrine of Christ to be saved. But at some point, we got to grow past this. At some point, we got to quit. You know, look, if you believe that salvation is by grace through faith, not of works, you don't have to repent of your sins to be saved, and you can never lose it, just settle that thing and don't reopen that issue again. Just decide that's what I believe, that's where I stand, and if that's what you believe, then don't go to some conference where they teach otherwise. Then don't go to some church where they teach otherwise. Then don't go to some, you know, uh, TV preacher or YouTube preacher that preaches otherwise. I don't listen to preachers that don't believe eternal security. I don't listen to preachers that, that believe that you got to repent of your sins to be saved. You say, why? Because they're not saved. They're trusting in their works. Notice what he says, Hebrews 6.1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go unto perfection. Remember, we, we saw the word perfection last week. Maturity, a completion, a whole. Let us go unto perfection. Notice what he says. Not laying again the foundation. He said, we, we already dealt with this. Not laying again the foundation. Notice. Of repentance from, I want you to notice these words, dead works. He said, look, you have to repent from your dead works. And here's what I think is funny. People want to make a big deal about James 2. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. But you know what? Works without faith is dead also. Say, well, I'm trusting in my works. Well, it's dead works. You need to have faith. That's what saves you. And then we add to our faith works. Yes. But not to save us just because we love God, just because we want to be blessed with God, just because we want to work for God. And we'll talk more about that here in a second. But notice what he says. Laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. He said your faith used to be in dead works, and you repented from those dead works. You repented from catechism. You repented from baptism. You repented from those things that you were trusting in to get you to heaven. And you put your faith towards God, see, a biblical definition of repentance is not that I repent of my sins to be saved. Is that I repent of whatever belief I have that is keeping me from placing my faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. And here's what you need to understand. You say, well, I don't. I just think that you still got to do, stop doing certain things. That's fine. You can believe that. All, here's all I'm telling you is you're trusting in your works. You're trusting in yourself. Your confidence is in your flesh. You're saying, well, I did this. I did that. I live this way. I live that way. And look, you're going to split hell right open when you die because your trust, your faith, your confidence is not in Christ. What's the first way that people will add works to salvation and still say, well, no, no, it's not works. It's by teaching this doctrine of repent of your sins. You got to repent of your sins to be saved. You will, never, you, you will not find this phrase in the entire Bible. I encourage you. To study it for yourself, you will never find these words in this sentence structure. Repent of your sins. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the King James Bible. Let me say that. You know, it's not in the Word of God. All right. Let me give you a second point. Can you make your way uh, to the Book of John, John chapter number three? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The first way that people will attack salvation is by and 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 try to. Deceitfully bringing works is by teaching that you have to repent of your sins. And people say, like, well, you're, you don't teach people that they have to live a wholly separated life? It's like, where have you been? <laughs> show me the church in Sacramento that preaches harder against sin than Marity Baptist Church. And I'm being serious. And you say, that's arrogant. No, I'm, I'm asking show me the church so I can listen to that guy and start preaching like that. I mean, I think we preach pretty hard against sin around here. I think we preach pretty hard on holy, separated living and holy, separated life. It's not that we don't that we think you ought to live like the world. It's just this: I don't live a separated life because I'm trying to get or earn salvation. I live a separated life because I have salvation, because I am saved. I try to live for God and I try to honor my heavenly Father. John, um, uh, where, where are you going? John chapter number three. Let me give you the second attack. The first one is adding works to salvation by teaching that you have to repent of your sins. The second one is this, adding works to salvation by teaching that you can lose your salvation. Adding works to salvation by teaching that you can uh, lose your salvation. Now, at Verity Baptist Church, we believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. And you can never lose it. it. God will never take it from you. You say, why in the world do you believe that? Let me give you some reasons. You're there in John chapter three. Look at verse fifteen. In John chapter three, verse fifteen, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have. Why don't you notice this word eternal? Is he a word eternal? Eternal means never ending. It's from the same uh, root words of like terminate, termination, terminator. E means it won't terminate, will not the de- end. The word eternal means never ending. Now notice what he says. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is life that will not terminate. Life that will not end. Life that has no end. Notice verse 16. Most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth, notice that word, that's the faith, in him should not perish, but have, I want you to notice this word, everlasting. What's everlasting mean? means it'll last forever. Means it'll, it's a different way of saying the same thing. Eternal means it'll never end. Everlasting means it'll last forever. In verse 15, he says eternal life. In verse 16, he says everlasting life. That's life that will last forever. That's life that will never end. Look at verse number 36, same chapter. John chapter 3, verse 36. Here's the question. When? Because here's the gift that God wants to give you. It's eternal life. It's everlasting life. Here's the question. When do we get eternal life? When do we get everlasting life? Because some people will teach you, well, if you live a good enough life here on earth, when you die, then God will give you everlasting life. Here's a question: Does the Bible teach that? Well, let's look at John 3:36. Notice what the Bible says. He that believeth, that's the faith, right? On the Son, that's Jesus Christ. I want you to notice this word. Half. See that word half? hath everlasting life, and he, shall, and he that believeth not in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now, I would encourage you, if you don't mind writing a Bible, I'd underline that word, hath. He that believeth on the Son, it doesn't say will get, doesn't say might get, says he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. What's the word hath mean? You know, it's an older word with the TH there, the modern word we would use is half. What's it mean? It means to hold, to maintain, to possess, to have in one's possession, to have, to acquire, to get possession of, to hold certain. Here's what I want you to understand. The Bible says, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. You get it once you believe. The moment you believe, you have it. You possess it. It's not something you're going to get. You have it when you believe. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Now, let me go and explain this because some people ask me of question. We're not teaching that when you get saved, you're going to live on earth like some sort of immortal, okay? We're not saying, look, here's what we're saying. When you die physically, you will not die the second death of going to hell, but you'll live with God for eternity. You have everlasting life. I will never die. I will never experience death. On this earth, my heart may stop uh, pumping and I may quit breathing and I will close my eyes on this earth, but I will open my eyes in heaven. I will not experience that. I will be with Jesus. I have everlasting life. And I have it, I possess it, the moment I believe. Go to John six forty seven. I like the quote that was in the bulletin by Curtis Hudson. In addition to saying that the believer has everlasting life, the moment he believes, Jesus has his promise that he shall not come into condemnation. That is the sentence of sin whenever people put on the believer again. I'm sorry, did I tell you to go to John 6? I want you to go to John 5. John chapter 5, look at verse 24. John chapter 5, verse 24. Notice what the Bible says. This is again Jesus speaking. John five twenty four. Verily, And I'm, I'm sorry to be confusing you with the Bible. I thought that's why you came to church, to study the Bible. John chapter 5, look at verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, and notice, believeth on him that hath sent me, notice what Jesus said, hath everlasting life, here's the other promise, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Look, if God promises me eternal life, and promises me that I'll never come into condemnation, and I ever come into condemnation, then that makes Jesus a liar. He's, the promise he gave us is that I'm giving you everlasting life, and you will never come into condemnation. You are passed from death unto life. Go to John 6.47. John 6.47. Notice what he says. John chapter 6, verse 47. Verily, verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Not you're gonna get someday, you have it. The moment you believe. Now, I'd like you to keep your place there in John, because we're going to come right back to it. But I want you to go to the book of 1 John, all right? Now, did you keep your place in Hebrews? Did I ever tell you to keep your place in Hebrews? If you start at Hebrews, you're just going to go past James, past 1st and 2nd Peter, into the book of John, okay? If you didn't keep your place in Hebrews, you're on your own. I'm just kidding. It's towards the end of the thing, all right? Just go. You can go from Revelation, Jude, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, all right? But if you, if you keep your place in Hebrews, you go past James, 1st, 2nd Peter. Just find 1st John, all right? 1st John, chapter 2. But keep your place in John. We're going to come back to it. Don't you notice what the Bible says? 1 John 2.25. And this is the promise. Do You see that word promise? You know what God made you a promise when you got saved? And this is the promise that he hath promised us. What's the promise? Even eternal life. See, the promise that God gave us is eternal life. The promise that God gave us is everlasting life. And here's what you need to understand. When I got saved, I was was a little boy when I got saved, my dad gave me the gospel. My dad showed me from the Bible that I was a sinner, that I deserved to go to hell, that Jesus loved me, he died on the cross for my sins. And I remember bowing my head, confessing with my mouth, calling upon the Lord, asking him to save me. And that moment, God gave me everlasting life. Now, here's the thing. If I would have, you know, if he gave me everlasting life, I'm a young boy, and I grow up, I'm 30 years old and I go and walk into a bank, I rob the bank and kill somebody. And God takes away my everlasting life. How long did my life how long did it last for? 20 years, 25 years. Here's the thing, it didn't last forever if he takes it away. So the question is this, can he take it away? No. If it's everlasting life. He can't take it away. That's the promise. And people will say, they'll say, "Well, I just don't understand. If I do something really bad, you know, God, isn't God going to take away my salvation? Here's the thing. You say you don't believe in work salvation. You say you don't believe you're saved by the things you do. Then why do you believe that there's something you can do that will cause you to lose it? See, if you think there's something you can do I kill someone, I commit adultery, I, whatever it is. And look, should people commit adultery? Absolutely not. Should people be killing people? No. Should be robbing the bank? We're not advocating that. Here's all I'm saying. If there's something you believe you can do that would cause you to lose your salvation, then your salvation is still dependent on you because it's as long as I don't fill in the blank. As long as I don't walk away from God. As long as I don't quit on church. As long as I don't commit adultery. As long as I don't stop living a good life. As long as I don't go back to drugs. As long as, if, if your salvation is, as long as I don't, whatever, then you're trusting in yourself. Okay. Then your confidence is in you. Then your confidence is in your flesh. And people say, well, I don't get it, you know, what about all those sins? Here's what's funny. When God forgives you of for your sins, he forgives you of for all your sins. Past, present, and future. See, when Jesus died on the cross over 2,000 years ago, guess what? All of your sins were in the future anyway. The Bible tells us that he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He's covered all your sins. He's paid for all your sins. Everything you're going to do in the future, he's already paid for that. That's how he guarantees you everlasting life. And if you say, no, 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 you can lose it, you're calling him a liar. You say, really? Are you there in 1 John? Go to chapter 5. Look at verse 10. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 10. 1 John 5, 10. Notice what the Bible says. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. 1 John 5, 10. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. You're calling God a liar. Why? How do you call God a liar? Notice he says. Because he believeth not the record. God says, if you don't believe the record, you're calling me a liar. What's the record? Because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. Look at verse 11. And this is the record. What's the record? That God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. If you say, I don't believe it's eternal, I think it's temporary. Because if I do something really bad, He's going to take it away. Here's what the Bible says. You're calling God a liar. Go back to John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3. Keep your place there in First John. We might come back to it. But go, go to John chapter 3. Titus 1, 2, while you're turning there, says this. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God cannot lie. If God promises you eternal life, if God promises you everlasting life, if God promises you that you will not come into condemnation, then he's not lying. He will keep his promise. He will not take it away from you. Let me give you another reason why we believe eternal security. Are you there in John chapter 3? Not only do we believe in the eternal security believer because of the promise that God made of everlasting life, but we also believe in the eternal security believer because of the relationship that we have with God. Are you there in John? Look at John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, this is Jesus speaking to to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, notice what he says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is a famous verse where God, where Jesus uses this phrase, being born again. Look down at verse number 7. He says, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. This is a term that's used in scripture to refer to salvation. When you got saved, when I got saved, we were born again. We were born again into the family of God. Go to John chapter number 1. Look at verse 12. John chapter number 1 and verse 12. Notice what the Bible says. Just a few pages to the front. John 1, 12. But as many as received Him, as received who? It's Jesus. That's the context. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that, notice His word, believe on His name. How do you become a son of God? When you receive Jesus and you believe on His name. When I got saved, when I received Christ, I became a child of God. I got born into the family of God. I got born again. Did you keep your place in 1 John? Go back to 1 John chapter 3. First John chapter 3. Look at verse 1. We're almost done. 1 John chapter 3. Look at verse 1. First 1 John 3.1. Notice what the Bible says. Behold. I'll give you a moment to get there. 1 John 3.1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Notice, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knows us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, notice what he says. Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Here's what I want you to understand. When you got saved, you became a child of God. You became a son of God. You became a daughter of God. And for those of you that have children, here's a question I like to ask people when they say, no, you can lose your salvation, is this. What would your children have to do for them to stop being your children? There's nothing they can do. It's an eternal relationship. In fact, when I married my wife, I married my wife till death do us part. When we die, we're no longer married. In heaven, we will not be married. But you know that in heaven, my children will still be my children? It's an eternal relationship. Your kids will never stop being your children. And in the same way that your children, no matter what they do, will never stop being your children, I will never stop being a child of God. I will never stop being a son of God. And this is where people get confused, because they say, well, aren't you telling people that they can do whatever they want? Go to the book of Ephesians. Uh, find Ephesians. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. While you're turning there, let me make something clear, okay? Here's what Paul said in Romans 6. He said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? We're not saying that you should continue in sin. But let me say this, if you continue in sin, grace will abound. Right. I mean, he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. But if you continue in sin, grace will abound. In fact, earlier in chapter 5 of Romans, he said, he said where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Do you know that God has more grace than you've got sin? He's got more payment. He's got more forgiveness than you've got sin. He, he will forgive you our sin. But shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. And today people get this idea. They say, well, are you just saying people can do whatever they want? Proverbs 3.11 says this. Write this reference down. Proverbs 3.11 and 12. It says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth even every son in whom he delighteth. Look, we're not saying that I'm saved, I can do whatever I want, nothing's going to happen. Look, if I go out and live a bad life, if I go out and sin, if I go out and do things that are not right, God is going to correct me. God is going to chastise me. God is going to discipline me. I, I know I say this verse a lot, but I, I, I want you to get this in your, in your head. The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. On this earth, if you do wrong, if you live selfishly, if you do things that are not right, you will reap what you sow. God will punish you. God will correct you. God will chastise you. Because that's what a good father does. See, if my children, I use this example a lot, but if I go to my children, I say, Boys, I've got four, four, four children, but my, my, my two daughters are too young to say anything really to them. So I go to my two older boys and say, Guys, I need you to clean your room. And when you're done cleaning your room, we're going to go get ice cream. You think if I get home from work and the room is a mess, we're going to go out to ice cream? No. We're going to go out to spankings. You know, we're, I'm going to have to discipline them because they're not obey. Now, does that mean I don't love them? No, in fact, the Bible says the parent who doesn't spank their children, that's the parent that doesn't love you to So, look, I, I correct them because I love them. If they're good, blessings come. Cold stone comes. If they're bad, not blessings come, you know? Sometimes cursing comes, you know? No, no, no I'm just kidding. You know, but some, you know spankings come, discipline comes. But here's the thing, they're still my children. I love them either way, but I have to correct them when they're bad. And I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. When we live wrong, sometimes God has to discipline us. Sometimes God has to correct us. Sometimes God has to give us a spiritual spanking. That doesn't mean he hates us or he's going to send us to hell. It just means that we're his children, and he loves us. Despise not the chastened the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth even every son, and whom he delighteth. So we're not saying just do whatever you want. Look, you will reap what you sow on this earth. But you know what? There's nothing I can do to change the fact that God is my heavenly father. And if you say, no, 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 if you do this, God will take away your salvation, you will stop being saved, you will no longer be a child of God. Your problem is you're still trusting in your works. You're trusting in your flesh. You're trusting in yourself to save you. And here's what's crazy. People will say, oh, no, 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 I believe salvation is by grace through faith, not of works. But I can still lose it. You're still trusting in works. No, 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 I think salvation is by grace through faith, not of works. But you've got to repent of your sins. You're still trusting in your works. Your confidence is still in your flesh. Your confidence is still in who you are. R. Did you find the book of Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 2. Let me, let me end, and I want to end this series because this is the last sermon on this subject. I want to end this series with this idea. We are not saved by works, but we are created to work. Because we preach against works for salvation, we're not preaching against working. We're not preaching against getting busy for God. We're not preaching against doing things for God. We're preaching against trusting the things you are doing to get you to heaven. But if your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, your confidence is in him. He paid your sin debt on the cross. The gospel saved you, his death, burial, and resurrection. I have no confidence in me to save me. Guess what? I should still get to work. Are you there in Ephesians chapter 2? Look at verse 10. Notice what the Bible says. For we are his workmanship. That's God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Notice what he says. Unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And you know, the problem is in in a church like this one, where we preach so hard against works, is that people get this idea like, well, I can just sit here and do nothing. I I don't have to do anything. I can just be a lazy Christian. Oh, no, 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 no. You were created unto good works. You're expected to do good works. You're there in Ephesians? Go go to Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 12. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12. Ephesians 4.12, Bible says, for the perfecting of the saints. This is talking about why God gave you a pastor. God gave you a pastor for the perfecting of the saints. And here's what I want you to notice. For the work of the ministry. You know what the ministry's work? The Bible says, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desire the good work. But guess what? It's not just me working as a pastor. It's that my job is to motivate all of us to work. We are to get involved in the work of God, the ministry of God. Find the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter ten. We, we got to move quickly because you got to. I, jo- I was joking with Brother Aaron last night about I got to always mention hometown buffet. We got to get you to hometown buffet. And here's why. Here's why I always mention hometown buffet. You ready? You want to know why I always mention hometown buffet? It's not because they pay me to say it. Okay? Here's why. It's because I'm going to Golden Corral. And I I just need you over there. Okay. Hebrews chapter 10. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 10. We're created for good works. We're supposed to be working. We're supposed to... and, and, And I want to explain something to you, okay? At Verity Baptist Church, our number one, number two, number three main focuses of our church. You want to know what we're about? Here's what we're about. The Great Commission. Here's what we're about. Reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ... Reaching people, teaching people. Reaching people, discipling people. Reaching people, teaching them that salvation is by grace, through faith, not of works, and then teaching them to get to work. Teaching them to get the sin out of their life. Teaching them, you don't have to repent of your sins to be saved, but guess what? You should be repenting of your sin. You don't have to get baptized to get saved, but guess what? You should get baptized. You don't have to come to church to be saved, but guess what? You should come to church. You don't have to do anything to be saved, but let's get busy for the work of God. It's the work of the ministry, because the God gospel the great commission is work and today we have this problem where christians want to say i'm not interested i'm interested in everything else but the work of god i'm interested in everything else but the things of god and listen to me listen to me the priority here is the work of the ministry it's the great commission it's preaching the gospel that's what we're about everything else is secondary if you you say you guys are in balance, if we're in balance for anything, it's for preaching the gospel, it's for soul winning, it's for keeping people out of hell. That's what our church is about. That's what we're about. And you know what I've noticed as our church continues to grow, people are going to come in here who are going to try to shift our priorities. They're going to just ignore it. every every sermon on soul winning, every sermon about reaching people with the gospel, every sermon about your neighbor needs the gospel, your coworker needs the gospel, your friends need the gospel. They're just going to kind of ignore that, and then they're going to push their little agenda. And listen, we've got secondary agendas around here. We've got secondary things we care about. We've got secondary. Look, I, I'm, I'm mad about Target. I'm mad about Chipotle. I'm mad about these vaccines that they're trying to push on our children. I'm all for liberty. I'm all for, you know, all of those things. But that's not the priority around here. I wish some of you would get as excited about soul winning as you are about, you know, uh, Target. Amen. I wish some of you would get as riled up about soul winning as you are about vaccines. You're all mad about Well, can you believe that Target Why don't you get that excited about preaching the gospel? Why don't you get that excited about going out and making a difference? Because here's the thing the reason we got to this point is because Christians were sitting on their bottoms doing nothing. I didn't say the word you thought I was going to say. <laughs> The reason we're in the mess we're in is because Christians are lazy, not working, not getting busy. We're content to sit and complain. But why don't we get to work? And let me say this. You're there in Hebrews 10. Look at verse 24. And let us consider one another. Notice this word. To provoke. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You know how we should be provoking each other to good works? That word provoke means to stimulate, to incite. Now it doesn't mean to be rude. And I need to say this. I really needed some of you to listen up. It doesn't mean to be rude. Because I I preach this, and then I hear these things. Sister So-and-so came up to me and said, you need to get to soul winning because you're backslidden. Okay? That's not what we're talking about. All right? If Sister So-and-so comes up to you and says, you're backslidden, you need to come to soul winning, tell her, pastor said to not be rude, you jerk. All right? All right? That's not what we're talking about. But we should be provoking And look, people come into this church, and they're trying to push their little agenda. They're trying to push their thing. Look, they're trying to invite you to this, invite you to that. When that text message goes out, that email goes out, and they're trying to get you to come to their little thing, you know what the reply message should be? Why don't you come out soul winning with me? I notice you haven't been in church in a while. Why don't you come? Let's talk about it at church. Let's talk about it on Sunday night. Let's talk about it soul winning. The agenda is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're here to do. That's the most important thing. That's number one. That's number two. That's number three. That's all of it. And if that's not what we're doing, if we're picketing about Target and we're picking about Chipotle and we're picking about this and we're picking about that and we're not preaching the gospel, then we're wasting our time. Yes. And we're accomplishing nothing. And we're doing nothing. Go to John chapter number nine. John chapter nine. We'll finish up right here. I'm, I, I, I'm not. Look, I'm not trying to be mean or offensive. I'm trying to provoke some of you trying to incite some of you to get to work. We're all mad about how the world is going, yet you show up for church once every six weeks. You think that's what Christianity is going to change this world? You're all mad about how the world's going, yet you can't find time to go knock on the door and preach the gospel to somebody. It's always hilarious to me because people will come to me and give me these reasons why they can't go soul winning, and they're like, Pastor Jimenez, you don't understand. We've got all these children, and we homeschool, and we're so busy. I'm thinking to myself, like, you know know, I've got four children and one on the way. You know we homeschool. You know we're busy. See, here's the truth. You make time for the things that are your priority. Sometimes things don't get done. I didn't get a haircut this week. Look at my hair. I had a busy week. It's longer than I'd like it to be. The only thing I like about my hair this long is that you can see all the gray hairs. That's all of you. There's one for each one of you. But we made time for soul winning. But we made time for reading the Bible with our children. But we made time for the things that... See, the truth of the matter is, if you haven't gone soul winning in weeks, if you, if you hit and miss with your church attendance, if you haven't read your Bible in a couple of weeks, it's not that you're too busy, it's that it's just not a priority. That's right, amen. The things on Facebook are more important than the things of God. The things on YouTube are more important than the things of God. It's not that you're too busy. We all have 24 hours in a day. It's just that you're not that interested. Why don't we just be honest and say that? I don't really care about the things of God. I'm more interested in this issue, in that agenda, in that what's going on over there. That's what I'm interested in. But let me tell you something. That's not what we're about. We're about the work of God. You say, why? why do you get so riled up? You're always trying to get us to do something. Always trying to get us to read the Bible. Always trying to get us to pray. Always trying to get us to come back to church. Always trying to get us to do something. Are you there in John chapter 9? Look at verse 4. Notice what Jesus said. John 9, 4 says, I must work the works of him that sent me. Jesus said, I must work the work of him that sent me. Notice what Jesus said. While it is day. He said, the night cometh when no man can work. You know there's coming a day when you will lose your opportunity to preach the gospel? You know there's coming a day when you will lose your opportunity to do whatever it is that God has called you to do for God? There's coming a day when you won't be able to do that anymore. The night is coming when no man can work. You know what that means? We need to get busy for the things of God while we can. And my heart breaks for some of you. You're all excited. You're all riled up. You're all interested in all these other things, and I sit there and I wonder, wonder when you're going to get that excited about reaching people with the gospel. Wonder when you're going to get that excited about being faithful to the things of God. I wonder when you're going to get that excited because the there's the day, is is going to end, soon. The night is coming, when no man can work. And look, in heaven, you'll wish. You'll wish you gave your life to the work of God. You'll wish. You're not going to get to heaven and say, Boy, I I sure, man, I'm so glad I spent all those hours watching TV. I mean, I don't regret one minute of the three hours a day I spent on that couch. But you know what you won't regret? You won't regret all the hours you spent preaching people with the gospel. You won't regret all the hours you spent in the house of God. You won't regret all the time you spent reading the word of God, memorizing the word of God, teaching the word of God to other believers. You won't regret that. There's a, The night's coming. The night coming when no man can work. So what are you trying to say, Pastor? Here's what I'm trying to say. Get to work. Get to work. I don't want to hear why, why you can't show up on Saturday. Just get to work. I don't want to hear your excuses why I can't show up. Just get to work. Just get to work. That's what we need. Why are we saved by works? I think I've made that clear over the last three weeks. We're not saved by works, but we're called